Hi folks, I'm Michael Forward and welcome to the podcast, the first episode of this podcast. I'm not really sure what this podcast is about or who my intended audience is yet. It's just me giving a read to a couple of stories, or at least the first couple of chapters of a few stories that I wrote a few years back. Now, keep in mind a couple of things. I'm not a professional writer. These are a couple ideas that I had floating in my head for a while, and I uh, decided to finally put pen to paper, so to speak. Secondly, I'm from the east coast of Canada, and you probably are going to hear it in my read in terms of uh, an accent. So if you hear me pronounce things a little bit differently than uh, your standard North American, that's uh, probably why. So we got two stories for you. We have Metal Puppets, which is kind of a, a post-apocalyptic steampunk thing that I threw together. Uh, story about a couple of sisters. They have uh, powers to uh, manipulate metal in a uh, post-apocalyptic world where metal is a, a valuable resource. The second story is called uh, Away with the Fairies, and this one's based on Irish and North American folklore. Again, uh, thank you so much for listening to this uh, first episode. We'll see how this goes, and uh, if there seems to be an audience for this, I'll record uh, the next few chapters for both these stories, both of which I never did complete. Uh, I have maybe about five or six chapters of each book, and uh, I, I kind of fell off the, the writing bandwagon. So if this does grow into something, and there if there is an audience for these stories for some reason, again, I'm not a professional writer, I'm not a professional audiobook reader, then, you know, that will give me incentive to uh, continue to work on them. So anyway, stand by, and uh, we're going to get into uh, Metal Puppets. Thanks for listening. Metal Puppets by Michael Forward, Chapter 1. It's really hard to fly a dragon made of metal. They could have made a bull, a horse, or really any other simple device that could haul a wedge-shaped plow. But someone insisted that they try to build a bloody dragon. That someone, who currently had her hands wrapped around man's waist, was screaming in delight as they traveled through the sky on back of said dragon. See, I told you this was a great idea, Val exclaimed merrily. We'll have that field done in no time. You're not the one trying to steer this thing, man returned. Man felt Val shift her weight and then become very still. Inside the shell of the dragon, a complex system of gears began to whir and rotate. The dragon's tail began to curve beneath the belly of the construct until the wedge-shaped tip of the tail curved towards the ground. Man had her work cut out for her. She focused her mind on pumping the dragon's wings to try to keep it aloft. Having the tail descended towards the ground did not make flying this thing any easier. The tail clicked in place, and man began their descent towards the field below. Are you sure this will work? she asked her sister. It's my butt too, Val pouted. You should have more faith in me. Man brought the dragon closer and closer to the earth. She began to sweat as the ground inched closer. Finally, at the edge of the field, the tip of the tail sunk into the soft earth and began to plow a furrow through the soil. It was working. When the dragon reached the far end of the field, man began to pump the wings to give themselves some altitude. It was only when she brought the dragon around for another pass she realized how difficult it was to breathe. See, I told you this would work, Val shouted happily, kicking her legs at it as they approached the field once again. Man would have replied if she hadn't fainted. The first thing man became aware of were the sounds. It started with a ringing, very loud and very deafening. The ringing slowly subsided, then turned to murmurs. 
Finally, the voices became more distinct. She felt something cold being placed on her forehead. She's starting to move. I think she'll be all right. A woman's voice. Man felt her eyes slowly peel open. As she did, she became aware of more and more sensations. Her left arm and leg hurt, and she could feel someone grasping her hand. It took a moment for her eyes to focus. Above was the blue sky and two very worried-looking faces. To her right was Val, looking like the world had just ended, and to her left was the face of the farmer that hired them. Oh my gosh, man! I'm so sorry! Are you okay? Val squeezed Man's hand even tighter. I didn't think that flying would be such a strain on you. Man tried to move, but found herself being held down by the farmer, who had placed a cold rag on her forehead. Try not to move too much. Is anything broken? Man took inventory, taking note of all the aches and pains that coursed through her body. She flexed muscles and made slight movements. Although painful, everything seemed to be working. Man tried to say, I'm fine, but her mouth felt like it was full of cotton, and the words came out in a half choke. She shifted her eyes to Val. Are you okay? The younger sister looked like she had been knocked around a bit. There was some bruising on her arms, pieces of clothing torn here and there, and her long black hair was full of twigs and dirt, but she was still intact, and she didn't seem to be bleeding. You kinda broke my fall, smiled Val. You're a great cushion. You might want to cut back on those sweets. The farmer shot Val a menacing glance. The smile faded from Val's face. When I realized you had passed out, I tried to work the wings a little, but you know I'm not very good at that. I was able to get us close enough to the ground to safely push you off and jump off myself just before the dragon hit a tree. The farmer removed the rag from Man's forehead, placing it in a nearby bucket. Think you can sit up, she asked. Man nodded and began to bring herself upright, surveying her surroundings. The pieces of the mangled dragon construct littered the field, and a poor spruce tree lay uprooted on the ground. Standing back a ways and looking at the whole thing in wide-eyed curiosity was the farmer's seven children. Once the farmer was satisfied that both girls were okay, she turned her attention towards her own gathered children. You lot, back inside! The last thing our guest needs is you bunch crowding around. The two eldest began to herd the younger ones away. The farmer extended a hand to Mand and sighed. Seven children, and not one of them has the gift. I'm either very blessed or cursed. Mand grasped the farmer's hand and used it to pull herself up. Val, seeing that her sister was no worse for wear, returned to her normal chatty self. You know, some of your kids are still very young. I didn't find out I had the gift until I was ten, and Mand didn't find out till she was fifteen. Man began picking twigs and dirt off her hair and clothing. I'm sorry we caused you trouble. We'll get back to work right away, and we'll have this field cleared by sundown. It's no mine, girl. The kids love having you around. If you aren't done today, you can spend the night and pick up in the morning. I'll even feed you. Man shook her head. I'm sorry. We'll have to finish up and hit the road. It's planting season, and a lot of our earnings depends on how many farmers we can help. Val began to pout. We can't stay one night? It won't make that much of a difference. Man frowned at her sister. This little crash has already put us behind. I'm sorry, but we can't stay. The farmer shook her head disappointedly and turned back to the farmhouse. Well, if you change your minds, let me know. If you do decide to stay, I'll make up the guest bed for you. The two girls watched the woman disappear into the farmhouse. Val opened her mouth to say something. Man held up a finger to silence her. Val... Just don't. We've been through this a hundred times. 
We agreed that we wouldn't stick around anywhere longer than necessary. Man turned towards the wreckage of the dragon. Can we salvage any of this? Val looked over the bits of metal covering the ground. We could build another dragon, but it would have to be a lot smaller. Man gave a slight laugh. No, no more dragons. Please. Away with the Fairies, Chapter 1, by Michael Ford. The Stump. Anna finally admitted to herself that she was lost. Admitting she was lost was a very easy step. Figuring out how she got lost, that was another matter entirely. And it felt like several hours had passed since she had left the Sunday social at the church. As usual, she walked part of the way home with her friend Mary, gossiping about who was wearing what and who was sitting with whom. That part had gone normally, as well as their usual parting at the fork in the trail. But after Anna took her own fork in the trail, something had gone terribly wrong. Anna had strolled absentmindedly along the path through the trees, thankful that the birch leaves were providing a nice shade from the late summer heat. She strolled and she thought about starting a new year of school and how it would be her last in the tiny fishing community. She was going to be a nurse. She was going to the city. Anna strolled and thought and mused and pondered about her future for quite some time. But a small part of her began to worry when she came upon an unknown stump. Anna had walked this path many times to and from the small community church and knew every twist in the trail, fallen tree, and unusually large puddle that marked her normal route. This stump was new. The stump, although by itself seemed fairly unremarkable, as far as stumps go, was out of place. And unlike the surrounding fairly slender birch trees, this stump was large enough to sit on. It was at this point that Anna slowed her walk and slowly took in her surroundings. Yes, she was still on the trail, but it wasn't her trail. Anna shrugged, Figuring that she took a wrong turn somewhere, she turned around and headed back the way she came, looking for another fork in the road that would place her on her normal route. Funny though, she mused. She couldn't recall ever seeing a branching path on her many travels through these woods. Walking, she backtracked along the unknown trail. She followed the path again for quite some time, looking for anything that seemed familiar. She stopped dead in her tracks when she sighed. It couldn't be. It was impossible. She was sure she walked a straight line for the past half hour or so, but sitting in front of her, once again, was the stump. Chapter 2. A Truly Sensible Plan A cold chill fell over Anna. It couldn't be the same stump as before, right? She had been traveling in a different direction altogether. She'd been mindful of her steps this time, careful not to step off the trail or veer off in an unknown direction. She glanced upward hoping to get a better view of the sky and maybe catch a glimpse of the sun. How long had she been walking now? It had to be for at least an hour. At most, a trip home from the church was about 20 minutes. She was way past that time. Anna could picture her mother, peeling potatoes over the kitchen sink, glancing out the window worriedly at the pathway that led to their little house. Anna had promised her mother after the church social that she would come home right away to help prepare Sunday dinner. It had just been the two of them for most of the summer, her father and brothers away on their fishing schooner until fall. And when the boys were gone, her mother always seemed to get overprotective. It wouldn't be long before her mother would call up Mary's parents and ask if their daughter had made it home yet. Upon learning that Mary had arrived safe and sound, she would chat with Mary's mother 
drawing out the conversation, eyes gazing out to the pathway in hopes that Anna would come dawdling around the bend. After the conversation with Mary's mother had ended, she would hang up, wrap a shawl around her shoulders, and begin to follow the route from the house to the church. Anna was sure her mother would come looking for her, following the same route that both Anna and her mother had traveled many times before. She recalled hearing a radio broadcast a while back that gave tips on what to do when lost. Stay in one place, the announcer said. It will make you easier to find if you get lost in the woods. She thought these words rang true and decided she would settle down and wait for someone to find her. It was the sensible thing to do. Her mother would be along any moment, or if not her, another villager who was running some Sunday errand. They would lead her out of here and she would look back and laugh on how on a fine summer's day she had just lost her sense of direction. It was settled then. She sat down on the large stump and waited for her inevitable rescue.